0: Take your Bible, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's our passage today, 1 Peter chapter 2. We are kind of putting a bow this morning on the last few weeks' emphasis on, on the chosen and, and choosing, and our key concept this morning is simply this, you are part of a chosen people. You are part also of a chosen people. While you're finding 1 Timothy chapter 2, I reflect on the fact that superheroes are big business these days. There's a lot of talk and a lot of movies and so forth about superheroes. And so, every superhero worth their salt has a secret identity, right? It is who they are when they take their superhero costume off. I mean, they have to wash them sometimes. And so they have a secret identity. Now, I'm going to ask you to tell me who the superhero is as I give you their secret identity, okay? This is the interactive portion of our program this morning. Okay, they're, they're easy ones. Clark Kent is? Superman. Superman. Bruce Wayne is? Batman. Peter Parker is? <laughs> you people are up on your superheroes. <laughs> Britt Reed is? the green hornet. Come on. All right. Diana Prince. Wonder. Wonder Woman. Yes, thank you. Somebody got that. Selena Kyle. So, hero or villain kind of on the bubble there, but uh, how about this one? Don Diego de la Vega. Zorro. Who said Zorro? Yes, right there. I loved Zorro growing up. Oh, I I had made I made a plastic model of Zorro on his horse. And someday I want somebody to name me Don Diego de la Vega. That is a great name. Well, you too have a secret identity. that's my point. And that secret identity is you are part of a chosen people, chosen by God. Let's read. First uh, t- Peter chapter two, starting in verse nine, says this, "But you are a chosen people." A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Chosen people. That word chosen has become very important to us here at Quail in the last few weeks we've taken some time to consider the needs of the poor of the world and how we can intervene by the grace of God and be blessing to them. And we've done so in a unique way through the ministry of World Vision. And last week, particularly last Wednesday, 112 children in the Sierra Lenca region of Honduras spent some time coming together, they had some food, they had some fun, and then they looked at your pictures, those of you who are sponsors, and they chose. I'm going to show you those pictures. There's the uh, staff in Honduras praying before the children come and for the party. Let's go to the next slide. There's the sign they put up across the road. Next slide. Part of the morning, they have, of course had to wash their hands, wear masks. Next next slide, they had some medical checkups and dental checkups while they came. Next slide, here's the girls doing a little dance routine for everybody. Next slide, the boys did the same thing. You can see the assembled group in the background. Go to the next slide. They put together this little thatched uh, hut type of thing, and, and they put up our pictures inside that hut, hut, and that was where the kids entered one by one and made their choice. Next slide. Now, here's one boy getting ready to do just that. Next slide. I don't know how many more slides we have. Here's a boy making his choice. Next slide. And after they do that, they write a little note to those who they have chosen. Next slide. I think that's it. Yeah. So all that happened last Wednesday. Now, now we're going to put up these photos and some videos that go go along with and more of these photos uh, on our website. I mean, our, our website, excuse me, our Facebook page so you can see all that, that happened. But through that opportunity, sponsorship, we are able to have these children get easy access to clean water. They get uh, education. They get nutritious food and a Bible program that, in which they will hear about the love of Jesus Christ and have the opportunity to say yes to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And for all of you who volunteered uh later in the service uh during one of the closing songs, we're going to going to ask you to move to the uh, the sides here where your envelope is posted and fo- find that envelope with your name on it and you'll be able to look into the eyes of the child who chose you last Wednesday. Like I said, if you missed out on that opportunity last week, it's not too late. But let's this morning, from the Word of God, reflect a little bit about what it's like to be chosen, because there's something powerful about knowing that somebody picked me, that I was chosen. It builds an affirmation into us. And I know that it's important to recognize that, because I know that last week, as we discussed this program, some of us had thoughts that went this way the thought was, well, what if I send my photo all the way down to Honduras and nobody chooses me? And we've thought like that because probably we've gone through a situation where we haven't been chosen, where we've been left out. Don't raise your hand, but I'm sure that many of us, if we remember recess as a kid, and they were dividing up for a kickball team or for softball or whatever it was, and we're thinking to ourselves, oh, please don't let me be the last one picked, because the last one picked is only picked because the teacher said everybody has to play, and I don't want to be the last one picked. And every time we get into that situation where it looks like we're not going to be chosen, it's a blow to the way that we perceive ourselves. And how we perceive ourselves matters in the way that we live our life. In fact, many of us struggle with a a poor self-image, so much so that even when things are going well, even when things seem to be clicking right along, there's a nagging voice in the back of our mind that says, you know, you really don't deserve this. You know, you're really kind of faking your way through this. And if people knew the real you, they really wouldn't be allowing you around them. That poor self image gets in the way. And sometimes it gets in the way of us realizing that we are wonderfully loved by God. But then you hear the Word of God, and the Word of God says, You are chosen. You have a new identity, part of the chosen people. Let's look at verse 9 again. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. The first thing that Peter says to us is, you followers of Jesus Christ are chosen people. The Greek is something that you'll probably recognize. The phrase there is, you are elected. You hear uh, elected, right? Cho- uh, chosen, selected, and then genos, a race of people. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is. Once applying only to Israel, the chosen people, now that phrase applies to all people, Jew or Gentile, who recognize Jesus is the one true Messiah. You belong to a brand new race of people, a diverse race of people, which is important for us to see because Prior to Jesus, everybody associated with people who were like them. That's the way you got along. That's the lane you stayed in. Maybe it was your tribe or maybe it was your ethnicity, your language group. But this is how you identified who you were. And that's the, pla- that's the lane you had and that's the lane you stayed in. But then along comes Jesus, and for the very first time, those things don't matter anymore. For the very first time, he unites people from all different kinds of language groups, all different skin colors, all different ethnicities into one blessed people. And he says to, says to us, you are all, you all belong to me. You are all chosen by me because of your faith. And in Jesus, it's no longer about division. It's about unity. In Jesus, it's not about taking sides. We're all on the same side because of the love of Jesus. And we are chosen to be, he says, a royal priesthood. I don't think we recognize how radical that statement would be, a royal priesthood. One reason maybe it it kind of sails over us is because we don't live in a situation where we have royals. But we know what a royal is, right? We can observe nations that have royalty, and the one thing we know about royalty is it's all about your bloodline. Are you in the correct bloodline to be a royal? In Israel, the bloodline of David was the royal bloodline. The same is true with the priest. The priest also had to have the priestly bloodline in Israel, the bloodline of Levi. And now Peter says, I'm assigning both of those titles to you, people of Jesus Christ. Both titles had to do with who you were related to, what family you were born into, and now Peter is saying to us, you have been born again now into the family of God. And in this family of God, you have a new identity, a royal priesthood. Ordinarily, we think of those things as separate. The priest is not a king, and the king is not a priest. But for you, you're born again into the family of the king, so you're royal. And you're born again into that family to serve him, so you're a priest. You have a royal priesthood. And what are we chosen to do? Well, Peter lets us know what we're chosen to do in verse 5. He says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are we to do? Offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. A sacrifice is when you give something up, a sacrifice is when you give something over. In the Old Testament system, maybe an animal or some grain, and it was a a demonstration. I'm giving this away to demonstrate my repentance or maybe to demonstrate my thanksgiving but I, I'm so concerned to do that that I don't mind making this sacrifice. And we have to ask ourselves, well, what, what, in what ways are we to sacrifice, to do a God-honoring sacrifice as His priests today? And I think that we do that when we do God-honoring work for the glory of God. It's a priestly act when you sacrifice your time when you sacrifice your energy, when you sacrifice your finances and seek to serve others in the name of God. It is a priestly act, a spiritual sacrifice when you say, you know, I'm willing to take some of my money and help a poor child in Honduras make sure they get a crack at life and that they hear about Jesus and that they have a healthy diet. It is a spiritual act of sacrifice as you teach in Sunday school, as you lead a Bible study, as you serve in nursery, when you're an usher or you sing in the choir or any of the things that take you out of yourself and give time and effort towards the cause of Christ. And every time you serve in that way, you are making an offering as a priest because you are part of a royal priesthood. And as a priestly act, as we declare... God's praises. Back to verse 9 again. He says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. When we praise God, we are acting as priests. Priests had that role of representing God to the people, letting the people know the grandeur and the glory of their God. And it's an interesting fact uh, of the Greek language here in verse 9 when it says, you are called to declare the praises of Him who called you. That word declare, it's in your text, in your, in your verse 9. That word is a very rare word. As a matter of fact, that's the, this is the only time that Greek word shows up in the entire New Testament. There are many words that have that meaning, but this particular word is a unique word because it means... To make something known that otherwise would have been secret. See, where, when we declare our praises to God, we as the church, as the, the kingdom of priests, we are letting the world know a message that otherwise would not have been known. That's our role, to make that declaration. Heavens declare the glory of God. Creation speaks their songs of praise everywhere. But there's something unique about the way the people of God make the declaration about the love of Jesus Christ. We express God's praise in a fashion that's not otherwise going to be known, and that unique aspect of the worth of God. And so what Peter is basically saying to us is saying, be the priests you are meant to be. Let the praise be known. Otherwise, it'll be hidden. And you are a priest. And you represent the people to God. That's what a priest did. He represented God to the people about the glory of God and how they ought to be praising Him and following Him. And then he represented the people to God. And he did that in prayer. And that's what we do. We represent one another and the world to God in prayer as we pray for the needs around us. There we fulfill the role of priest. So in our church... We are chosen people. We are a new race on earth that glorifies God. Peter says it even more more clearly when he says, you are a holy nation, a whole new structure of people doing what God wants you to do, a a race of royal priests. Put it this way, your life, follower of Jesus, is meant to be a song of praise. And no one can sing that song but you. You are uniquely called to do that. And that is the real you. That is who you are, your real identity. And living this out is what Christ has called you to. And when you think of it that way, there's no such thing as an ordinary Christian. We are all part of something fantastic that God is doing in the world. But then Peter takes it even further. He says, not only are you a new nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, but you are to live as aliens in this world. Let's read. Go to verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that He visits us. If you know Christ as personal Savior, your primary identity and primary allegiance is to Him. Not to the world, not to your job, not to America. Your primary allegiance is to is to your Savior. In Jesus, in other words, you are truly home. Everywhere else, you are an alien. It means that we must not allow ourselves to be swept along with the alien culture around us. There are times we need to step out of that tide and be completely different because we don't fit in there anymore. The alien culture is not our culture. We're exiles here. And we need to ponder what that means a little bit. Imagine what it means to be an alien in a foreign country. Think of all those refugees fleeing from Ukraine right now put in situations that they didn't see coming, they, they, they didn't really know that this was going to be next, but there they are in a different country, their country being destroyed. And, and how, how do they live when that's their situation? Well, one of the things we see is that they value being together. They, they cling to one another in this strange and hostile land. They speak a language that's different than the language of the majority culture around them. We see that they have a, a subculture that carries the, ident- the identity of who they really are, and they support and help one another. They share with one another in order to survive in a more hostile culture, hostile environment. That's what aliens do. That's what refugees do. I think of my own grandparents as they emigrated through uh, Ellis Island from Italy and uh, how they lived. They lived around other Italian immigrants back in New Jersey, where I, was, where I was raised. They shopped in the Italian delis. My grandfather was a member of the Sons of Italy Club, which as far as I know, all they did was play canasta and smoke cigars, but he proudly went there. My grandmother spoke Italian to her friends when she didn't want us to understand what she was saying. Simply put, the alien is different. And we are to be aliens in the culture in which we live. We are not to blend in, but to stand out. And and in what way should we stand out? He doesn't say, live such weird lives among the pagans, or live such kooky lives among the pagans. He says what? Live such good lives. Live good lives so that God gets the glory stand out in such a way that your good deeds are obviously different than the society around you. And this is why we care for the poor. This is why we push blessing into pockets of poverty in our world, because our identity in Jesus compels us to live good lives that will glorify Him. And He is most glorified in us when His love love fills us us up and spills out of us to others. And when that happens, God gets the glory. See, this is not playing church. This is being church. Live so that God gets the glory. And that's your true identity. Oftentimes, To make their way in the world, people think we have to fake it. We fake that we're a little smarter than we really are. We fake that we're a little cooler than we really are, a little more knowing than we really are, more experienced than we really are. We pretend that we're more capable than we really are so that people will accept us. We're conditioned to live that way. I read a story about a young lawyer, fresh out of law school, went to a small town to set up her practice. She rented an office she got a desk and chairs and file cabinet and a little outer, outer office set up with a receptionist desk with fancy-looking furniture so it would look like she was doing well. She had a big phone on the desk there with all the fancy buttons. And she was in her office kind of arranging the things in the office when she heard footsteps coming down the hall. And she thought to herself, oh, my, this is going to be my first client She had not even hired a receptionist yet, but she wanted to appear like this was a going operation and everything was going great. So she quickly picked up the phone and pretended that she was having a conversation with another person. And sure enough, the guy came to the door, and she waved him in as she was, you know, talking into the phone, and she was saying something like, Well, yes, I'm sure we can handle your case. Yes, no problem. Yes, the usual fees apply. Yes, I'll get my team right on it. There, there was no team. Uh, she, but, and as she was saying this, she cupped the phone, you know, in a very busy manner and said, Can I help you? And the guy said, I'm here to hook up your phone. <laughs> Whoops. Faking it can get you in trouble. But you don't have to fake it. That's the point. You don't have to fake anything. Jesus has chosen us. Jesus' grace flows through us. And an example of that is what happened last Wednesday down on Honduras. We flipped the script a little bit. And those children who are the poorest of the poor got to choose the person who would sponsor them. Think how affirming that simple act is. The poor feel powerless. The child poor feels doubly powerless. But 112 kids were empowered to make a choice. And that choice will change their life. It will change their life. Alexander McLaren, a Scottish preacher of long ago, says this, the world takes its notion of God uh, most of all from the people who say they belong to God's family. They read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. And when the book of Quail is read, I want people to read about grace. I want people to read about love that is lavished out on others. I want people to read about the good that we do so that God gets the glory. That's the book I want read on us. You can still get involved in this uh, sponsorship program. Out out in the foyer, there'll be people uh, in the uh, orange T-shirts, and they'll be ready to help you with with the program. But now, in just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to sing our closing song. And during this closing song, I invite those of you who said yes to sponsorship last week your name is on an envelope somewhere here in this, in this room. It's divided alphabetically. A through M, last names, are on that side. And N through Z, last names, are on this side. Okay? So you can go to the right, right area. We have people there to help you. We want you just simply to get your envelope, take that down, go back to your seat, and you'll be able to look into the eyes of the child who chose you. Let's pray. And then as we sing, I'm going to ask you to move and get your envelopes. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are chosen. And we thank you that today we're doubly chosen, not only chosen by your grace and mercy to be part of your family, but for those sponsors chosen by this child to change their life. Lord, we pray that you would use these connections in ways that far exceed and surpass anything that we can think about. And we pray, Lord, that generation after generation are, are uh, have a, a new trajectory now because of the mercy that You have given to us which flows through us to others. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.